What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Ride Share Rodeo Gig News and Interviews. I'm your host, Steve. Let's get it on. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Ride Share Rodeo Podcast, a weekly podcast covering all things gig app related. Um, we look into all kinds of gigs and all kinds of ways of earnings on other platforms and last mile courier services and trying to get away from the giants. We know that we all still use them, but hey, we got to have options, right? We'll be talking about a few of those this week, um, you know, loosely. I, I, I've kind of broken free. I, I try and use what I always refer to you all as the off-brand apps: Curry, Last Mile, Courier Services, uh, ParaWorks. Um, ParaWorks is a big thing now. ParaPass is starting to starting to roll out in a bunch of cities. And yes, it is taking a little bit of time. But if you are on the Para app or were on the Para app, get back on the Para app and at least sign up for ParaWorks. Very likely, ParaPass is not in your market yet. But you can at least check in the app and hit it at the bottom and see what it says. But at least get on ParaWorks. Those orders are catering orders, so all you DoorDashers should love it. Rideshare drivers should love it because the orders pay good. And all gig workers should love it. Even if you're not a DoorDasher, per se, or a food delivery person, these are all catering orders and soon will be much more. Before we jump into that, though, let's talk about a little news that went down. Phoenix woman sues DoorDash, alleging driver masturbated on her food. Uh, we talked about this on the roundtable. I made a clip that is on the, um, I'll put it in the show notes if you guys want to go and watch it. I know it sounds like a joke, but at the same time, um, the reason I'm mentioning this on 13 Minutes is because a few times we've talked about surveys and I've had, we've had guests on who have said, no way that really happens. No way that somebody peed on somebody's house or this or that these these things aren't just being made up i mean look there's probably some tiktokers out there who want some attention and do things like this this isn't a tiktok thing um this is a real deal it happened in january of 2022 but it's just now getting to court um so the woman is suing doordash um you know i will let you go see the video if you haven't already um i'll also post uh the article link will be in there too if you want to go read it um but the video that i cut and made a short of explains it pretty well um she basically and in it here it is just real quick um guy picks up food from a mexican place in uh phoenix so we're talking about maricopa county same place the uber uh uber autonomous driver was um put on trial for being responsible for the autonomous failure. So the DoorDasher picks up the food, proceeds to park in the parking lot of the restaurant he picked up the food in, um, masturbates and ejaculates onto the food. The, the One of the employees and the camera at the restaurant caught this. The employee came outside, knocked on his window and literally said, hey, give me that back. You know we've got to we've got to dispose of this. Give me that back. And and the driver said, "No, I'm good." And he drove off. The worker then proceeded to go back inside and called DoorDash and said, "Hey, this delivery that's going out, this had happened. We have video footage of it." And DoorDash did end up calling the person who was having the food delivered. However, it was 40 minutes after the call came in from the restaurant and by that time the food had been delivered and the customer had ate it. So the lawsuit is that all this happened, that DoorDash knew about it. Um, and that for 40 minutes, they didn't contact the driver and cancel it. They didn't contact the customer and say, Hey, don't eat the food. And they knew that they knew this because when they did get her on the phone, that is what they said. Hey, this is coming. This happened. We're really sorry or however they worded it, but, um, you know, don't eat the food. 
And her response was, food got here a half hour ago. I already ate it all. So this is no joke, you guys. These are the kind of things when we talk about these surveys, believe them. Believe that 9% of dashers have peed on a house. Um, you know, I mean, this stuff happens. I mean, maybe you live in markets where, you know, it's smaller or whatnot. But I can tell you, as living in a big city, um, this stuff happens. It does. Um, Grubhub is even with being on Amazon, they are sharing some numbers and they are, uh, their orders have declined by 10 million this calendar year alone. So even with the Amazon, uh, onboarding where you're getting, you got six months for free, then it was seven ninety five or whatever it is to keep it and for unlimited, no services, fees and all this. Um, even with the help of Amazon, they have still proceeded to crash and burn. So are they worth anything anymore? I don't know. I don't know that their database even would be worthwhile to a DoorDash or an Uber Eats. So what'll probably happen, my, my, I, my thought on this is that we'll start seeing DoorDash be in the cities where it does well. We know people who do well delivering DoorDash in certain markets, they do very well. We know a few people um, who only deliver DoorDash or, or I'm sorry, Grubhub. Um, and in their market, it's good. My, my thought is they're not going to be fighting for the space much anymore. And they're more going to go to, we do okay in these markets. Let's really push these markets. So um, also in the food delivery space this week, Chick-fil-A is agreeing to a $4.4 million class action settlement on delivery fees which is crazy right because most restaurants biggest complaint is the fact that on the uber eats doordash platform they charge different amounts for the uh, for the for the items for the food than you and then the delivery fees and all that and the service fees and processing fees but they charge more on the food items as well so there's so much up um upmarking going on that it's like that's why people why would the restaurants get angry and now we know chick-fil-a has their own fleet of vehicles they've been very proud of this but even to their true customers who use their fleet for delivery they're charging too much on delivery fees they're um charging too much on processing and they're charging more on their items than if you go in and get them so they're settling this 4.1 4.4 million dollar class action suit you know is that kind of a drop in the bucket to them probably but the fact they're settling this is you know we all know what that means they're admitting to doing it so you know what will happen it'll will it be corrected hopefully hopefully uh update on the minnesota governor's task force so this is really uh weird i think i told you guys a few weeks back that when the governor did his governor of Minnesota did his first veto ever on weighing in on this. And he's, again, he's never vetoed. He's never gone against the party that pushes these and they got it all the way through. And he vetoed the person who was pushing for the Uber Lyft driver association, um, who really, this was his baby. This was his, that he carried it was assigned to be the head of the task force to look into this and we thought that the results would come in early next year they're already going to have the results back next year but we talked about him saying i don't want that position so it's like he helped all these people get up here and fight once the governor vetoed he's like i don't want to do that work so the guy who was in charge under him is now is now in charge of the task force group and the strangest part is the guy under him is doing a great job however they have learned some details the guy who was in charge, who was pushing this, had an offer on the table that would have got drivers more money right now while they were doing this, while they were doing this task force investigation. He didn't even present it to the drivers that he was representing. Um, I will put that article in here as well, because he didn't even let them know, hey, this is on the table and this is and it wasn't like a long term thing. This will make you more money while we're figuring this out. He didn't even tell them about it. And then he leaves as he's appointed to the task force. So it's like, you know, watch out for these people with legislation, guys. Um, 
<clears throat> autonomous two stories here you guys uh so autonomous vehicle company um plans dallas launch amid pro by federal regulations so the federal federal regulators are looking into autonomous all over they are now starting they're, they're understanding we're not there same thing i always say we talk about it all the time on the round table the regulators are saying we're not there um, I know some level four testing is being done in China by a new company uh, that is approved there. But over here, we only allow it in three cities. And San Francisco is soon to be kicking them out, even against the will of Governor Newsom. The mayor, um, the police chief, the, um, the fire chief, and a lot and almost every other person that has a, has weight in San Francisco all wants these out of here. They don't want they don't want to change like how many hours they can work or whatever. They just want them gone. Good for them. They don't work. Um, Austin, Texas and LA will be the only other two cities. And um, soon will be uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, because they will be taking on the contract that San Francisco is going to be dumping against Governor Newsom's will. Again, make sure you guys note that against Governor Newsom's will. He forced San Francisco to take this. They didn't want it. And now they're really fighting back. They tried it, and now they're like, no, this is ridiculous. So we won't even get into the stories. Again, guys, all of these stories and hundreds and thousands more can be found at uberliftdrivers.com. Uh, Rideshareradio.com should take you to uberliftdrivers.com, which connects to all the social medias that I do, plus has a post every day. Uh, with re-aggregated stories, and you can find all these, but I'll put them in the show notes, the ones we're talking about. And the last um, story that I wanted to tell you about is that there was video leaked on Reddit, and I have it. I actually downloaded a copy before it gets pulled, so I'll be sharing that in a video one way or another, but I'll put the article in there. Um, I'm afraid this article is going to get pulled, too, and if you click the article, you'll be, you can see the video right now. My guess is it won't be there very long, um, but it's about... Um, autonomous industrial kitchens and what it is is there's not a single person in this kitchen and in a two and a half minute video you can watch how this i mean it's very it looks very futuristic um it would be very expensive clearly but it says it would take away from like chefs being burnt out um, i've worked in enough restaurants and bars i don't want autonomous food I, I like the fact I go to some restaurants because of the chef and the chef doesn't even have to be there because they train their sous chefs and other and other cooks that work for them to do how they want. So I like restaurants based on the fact of what the chef has brought to it. If I'm going to take the time to actually go out and enjoy something. I, I mean, I, I want all you guys to click this link. So it's it'll be the last article that is on there. So there will be one, two, three, four, five, six articles linked. Um It'll be the sixth one. Check it out um, and tell, and leave in the comments what you think about this autonomous kitchen thing. Um, also, the federal regulations saying that this shouldn't be happening in Dallas. Dallas Cruise Autonomous is up and running right now with a driver in the front seat because Texas has not allowed driverless and this federal probe wouldn't. However, it also notes that in Austin, Texas, they are operating driverlessly and it's part of the federal probe because they're not supposed to be. So uh, last thing I wanted to say, um, you know, this time of year usually starts picking up. Hopefully it will soon, you guys. Um, but, you know, take a mental health check-in with yourself. Um, you know, uh, call a friend, uh, reach out to another gig worker. While on that note of, uh, um, you know, checking in with people or uh, the mental state of mind of gig workers, remember that a lot of these, um, even the YouTube channels, I know that you guys are all listening on the audio podcast, but even the YouTube channels, you know, there's uh, people that do ride-alongs and things, and, and that sometimes can help. Um, I do some for Curry even on my YouTube channel. So you podcast listeners, I know a lot of you, some of you have come trickled over there, but some of you just prefer the podcast, but it is a way of uh, sometimes, you know, just 
almost like working with somebody because we're in our cars a lot alone. Um, the holidays are coming up. The normal pickup that happens when school starts right before Halloween through October, it doesn't feel like it's really kicking in yet. And I know a lot of people who are struggling, struggling, struggling. And we've all got to be there for each other. Look, our markets are all completely different. And if you're used to just doing DoorDash or you're used to just doing this or this or this, I'm using, when I say one example and I use DoorDash, I use that example because DoorDash is hands down the most used app in the United States. But as we've always said, diversify that gig worker portfolio, multi-app. And even if you don't like doing multi-apping at the same time, like turning on six, seven apps and seeing what orders come in from all of them and then turning the others off and and that's just too much overload for you, at least onboard to them. Do one or two on them. Be active so that when DoorDash, if DoorDash slows down in your market, you can switch over to these without there being even a hiccup. Even if you've only done one or two, it's still a big deal because you at least are familiar. It's a lot better than if you've onboarded and now you hit, you know what, I'm going to try it, go online, and then all of a sudden there's some documents missing or this or that, and you're not ready to be online and you haven't done one. It's nicer to do one when you're in your pattern of the apps you like. We all look at, I would say 50, about 50% 50 of our income, if not more, usually comes from one specific app. We all seem to, to, to go to one app. And I'm not, that's not a specific app. We all just seem to have our ways and we love one app. And that usually, in my findings, you know, it's pretty, if not, it's pretty close to 50% of what you make in a week comes from your favorite app that you've used. So, but all the more reason to multi-app, multi-app, multi-app and get on board, get on board before the new year and before the legislation hits. But that said, for the mental part of it, um, we are rolling up on the holidays, like I said, and uh, just check in with other people, check in with other gig workers. Um, you know, there's, it's just... The stress of, uh, of earning isn't just to the gig economy right now and the gig apps. There are W-2 positions being laid off, um, absorbed. I love these kind of terms where it just means like you're fired, basically. Um, you know, or, you know, they downsizing. All, all these things are going on everywhere. I mean, hell, there's businesses going out of business. So, of course, you'd lose your job in that in that in that situation, but I'm not, I'm not here about doom and gloom and saying that nothing is going to pan out and just throw in the towel. I'm just saying, don't think it's just you. Don't think it's just, you know, all these gig apps. I got to get back to the W2. Maybe you do, but, um, you know, maybe it's not just the gig apps. Maybe it's the W2s are down too. Um, you know, there was a time not too long ago, I remember saying, you know, just if you want a W-2 for 15, 16 bucks an hour, walk out your door, walk to the right or the left and get one, you know. But even that, you know, I, other than like fast food industry, um, a lot of jobs that are out there, uh, the job security that we used to feel with those type positions just isn't there. So it's like, you know, you're going to go way out of your way. You're going to, you know, you're going to go head over heels for a company but the, it's not, I mean, look, at, at no time ever have we been able to just take a job and then go, oh, I'm hired. I can do whatever I want now. But you at least, at least me, I have many times felt job security when I accepted the job. Nowadays, when you accept the job, it's, you, I mean, how much, how much of your life are you going to throw into a W-2 because it might not be around even if the W-2, okay, let's say it's for Apple or Microsoft, companies we know will be around, that doesn't mean your W-2 position will. In fact, all the big companies seem to be getting rid of entire divisions or sections or whatever. And so people are, that's why the gig economy is getting overloaded too. Um, you know, people are finding it that they've either, maybe they've just been cut their hours in half or whatever, and they need some other income or they got fired, or they quit, or whatever. And, you know, we just, we got to keep on going ahead. And, you know, if your gig, if your favorite apps aren't working, try out some other ones. There's so many apps out there. 
and what's available in your market, you know, we, we don't know till you check. So, um, with that said, just, uh, even check in with yourself, how you doing mentally, you know, and, uh, yeah. Real quick, a uh, little plug here for our sponsors, Para, um, and ParaWorks and ParaPass. I work on the ParaWorks side of things. Um, David and I, the CEO of Para, we do a weekly podcast called, it's not, it now has a name. It's not just Para Presents or Para Live like we used to call it. We've been doing it for a year now. Um, it's, we do it on Thursdays. It drops on audio podcast on Fridays. Um, it is called the gig app podcast by para gig app podcast by para. And before the end of the year, we're trying to fit in as many CEOs as we can this week. Um, it's going to be David and I doing a Q and a finishing up about para works, para pass, uh, and some things that are happening here next week. Um, we've got the CEO of delivered a last mile catering app that's uh, putting up some good numbers, opening in lots of markets, and uh, the drivers are like, our drivers are making good money with it. Um, so we're going to have Chris on. He's the CEO from Delivered on November thirtieth on the Para on the Gig App uh, podcast by Para. We will have Matt Spoke. He is the CEO of Moves Financial, and on December fourteenth. Also a Thursday, we will have the CEO of Gridwise on. And we'll be filling in the gaps there too, you guys. Obviously, we will have Thanksgiving Day off. Um, but we'll, the other weeks will be filled in as well. So stay tuned because that's a thing going on. Um, you can find Gig App Podcast is just starting to populate across the boards, but it is on Spotify now. It is on Red Circle. It is on a couple others, but... Um, here soon, we're just getting it onto the audio side. It's been on uh, Facebook and YouTube for a while, but we're moving it over. And so we've got, uh, you know, probably a dozen uh, up already and check that out as well. But um, yeah, make sure to check into it. We're doing lots of, uh, lots of fun interviews over there as well. So did you guys see in yesterday's news at all, even, even though, you know, I keep my pulse on the world of gig economy. And I, we obviously don't structure this podcast or, um, around all that, but I do like to put in tidbits when I can. So we're going to put in a few this week about some different countries and what's going on specifically this one, um, here, Australia, uh, the Uber trips and food delivery platforms are about to skyrocket under the labor's industrial relations bill. That is a bill that's been going on for a while there. And why is it important if we don't live in Australia? A, I think it's important to keep keep up on all the gig markets um, and what they're doing because eventually, look, we're moving to a gig economy world. You know, there will still be other, obviously older school forms of, of earning, but we know the gig market is the most booming market that there is. And it covers so much that of course it is, but it's also the... The most, um, I guess I'll, I'll say it like this, it's the most paced with technology, which is probably outpacing itself as it is. Technology is moving quicker than we would, than we should have it moving. Um, you know, we're trying to move to AI too quickly. We're not, it's, it's, it's blowing my mind. All these things that happen, it's crazy because why? We've always been very careful about integrating things. And these days, I just feel like we're like, hey, AI, that works. Chatbot, okay, do chat GPT. There, no more writers, this, that, the other. I feel like we're just willing to just try things. And yet, um, it was Albert Einstein who said that he, um, what he feared most about the future was when technology surpassed human beings. Like he knew that time would come. And I think that that, it's like the industrial revolution. I feel like we're in that time right now. Like it hasn't happened yet, but we're getting like precursors to it. And we can see signs that we're about to, to have this happen to us. But in Australia, um, the labor's industrial relations bill. So now they have made it. So, I mean, we'll see what comes, but Uber and even DoorDash is over there. Unlike a lot of the um, other countries that don't have DoorDash, they have, you know, just Just Eat or 
um, you know, Deliveroo or some of those, but they do actually have Uber and DoorDash over there. And unlike, and like what the PRO Act was trying to do here or what some states even might try and do, I don't think they'll try and take it as far, but they want it to be a minimum wage job. We are, it, the, the industrial relations bill is in place. Um, in the latest attack uh, on labor's bill, which has already been savaged basically by the nation's big miners and digital platforms, and that includes Uber and DoorDash, um, but they're all warning the plan for minimum pay and conditions for delivery drivers is going to send their prices skyrocketing. Um, so skyrocketing meaning like to the customers. So if the customers are going to have to pay 185 to 225% more than they have been, I don't know about in Australia, but here it's already very expensive to use these platforms. If you're going to double or double plus what it's going to cost, I think you're going to find more people not using it. Um, and that goes for rideshare too. Uh, I think in rideshare, it might be a little easier to digest if they find ways to maneuver with that too. But in the food platforms, it's going to be very apparent because we already, even in Australia, people know they're overpaying for this stuff. They know that they can go pick it up themselves. It is literally, I mean, you know, we've debated this a few times on this podcast, on the round table, um, you know, is, is it a necessity and I think that stems from the uh, from the pandemic when it was a necessity. I mean, look, we were on stay-at-home orders and immunocompromised people, people who were sick or who thought they might be sick. Um, all There were so many people that were caught into a net where going to the store was, for many people, undoable or very dangerous. And it, it became a necessity for a while. Um, you know, now we have Kroger's offering for, you know, $5 in a refrigeration truck. You can get, you can use all your coupons, everything, get in-store prices. So there's some tweaks starting to happen to the gig economy and how it will move forward. So it still will allow that for those people who need it. In fact, Instacart has taken on Snap and EBT and they have Snap benefits for all the states now, which nobody's ever done before. I do feel like this will even hurt Instacart drivers even more. Um, but, you know, it's it, everything's being redefined. But in Australia, for them to move to this, it's not even like New York's. New York did this with Rideshare. We've talked about it. Uh, they did it with the food, and now they're pulling it again. New York never really, or when, when anything like that happens in New York, we always try and follow what happens within it. It's always a situation of the 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 platform's fighting it to the T, even once it's passed, filing other lawsuits. They come up with a date to start it. They always don't start it then, and they file another lawsuit, even if it's been shot down 18 ways from Sunday. Um, and, you know, now they're now they're supposed to be paying the delivery drivers X amount, and they're already starting to, they're, they're already kind of pushing that off. No. You know, I mean, it's like they literally keep, it's like, it's, it's like the government and the laws of the states are there saying, this is how it is now, deal with it. And they're like, all right. And then when it comes time to cash or cut the checks, it's like these platforms are sitting on the other side of the aisle, flipping off all the politicians in the states and going, hey, man, you really thought we were going to do that, you idiot? And it's, I don't know. I mean, in in some ways, you know, it's it's... It's half comical, but when you look at it from our perspective of being a gig worker, it's not that comical. And um, these things really do just hurt. We already proved it in New York. Floor meets ceiling. People who were huge earners earned less when they put that into place for rideshare drivers. And the rideshare drivers who were cherry picking or, you know, to a degree that they were almost like sitting in their living room waiting for orders... They're now being, they had to be paid a certain amount, which was taking away from the hustlers. See, it's, it's like being, it's like working in a bar. Okay. Like you can probably, any, any of us could go get a job waiting tables at an Applebee's or a Chili, Chili's outside of a downtown area. 
Um, and you know, maybe even be trained as a bartender if you have no experience, but can you go into the city and be across the street from Coors Field where I was for many, many, many years and can you handle bartending down there on an island bar where you can only have three bartenders rolling around each other and that's tough enough? It's three deep. You need to know how to make all the drinks. Can you do that? No. Night and day difference. As a bartender at Chili's, unless it's Friday night, you probably have two to five people sitting at the bar at nine, ten o'clock. Um, the, the waitresses have some tables still, but it's not a place you'd bank. So... You know, if they start make if they start trying to make that pay where those people are, you know, and they did this in they actually did this in um, in Maine, and my home state of Michigan was looking to implement this too, and luckily it got shot down. That the same thing is this that everybody be paid a minimum wage of like fourteen, fifteen bucks an hour, no matter which one you worked at, which was going to put all the coolest bars out of business, because the coolest bars they don't like payroll is what crushes companies. That's what that's a company ender right there. So the coolest bars, I mean, we even in the United States have an understanding of this. We understand that, you know, you might have a $12, $13 minimum wage in your state, but even the federal minimum wage of $7.75. But being a bartender, your minimum wage can be like four bucks an hour. They actually have a math that goes under the federal minimum wage. And it goes, you know, way under your states that is the minimum wage for service workers. I mean, I remember in late, uh, like 2007 or 8, uh, servers in Colorado were paid $2.13 an hour because they know you're going to make tips. So to me, it's like that's the kind of thing we should be shooting for. All these kind of bills that say we need to be paid minimum wage. This is going to destroy these companies, but also it's going to kill off the customer base it's going to uh, decrease the, the volume of orders, therefore. And we still have just mass, mass oversaturation of workers in every market. So I'm sorry, guys. I'm having a few problems here with my microphone today. It keeps shorting out, at least in my ear. Hope I'm watching the audio trick. It doesn't look to be failing, but uh, in case it is, I will do my best to clean it up. Um, it's something with the connection on my mic. I was playing with it. It took me a while to get this started, and that's why today's dropped a little late, by the way. So hopefully you guys can bear with the microphone issue, and hopefully I can get it out using the cleanup process here. Again, I am understanding it's already going to drop late, but um, yeah, the crackling that I'm hearing, I'm not really sure. Hopefully I can clean it up because um, I was looking at the wave file here, and there is a little bit of static. But anyway, let's let's keep rolling, and I'll work with it when I'm done to try and get it as clean as I can for you guys. Um, but moving to Argentina, we're gonna let's let's hit on two more spots in the world before we bring it back to the U.S. Hitting on Argentina, Argentinian uh, Argentina's gig workers are rallying against regulation. Listen to that, same as us here, um, and supporting the libertarian candidate. So, courted by Javier uh, Millet and his party, delivery workers worry about new re regulations on gig platforms. So, activist uh, gig workers are handing out ballots and campaign materials as part of their delivery runs. Um, that's something different, for sure. We don't, we don't really see that here. Instead, Uber or DoorDash or whatever, when it comes to the certain states, just has us check a box that we're on board with wanting flexibility, which is in, in essence, the same, they want the same things that we want here, the flexibility to work. All countries differ in how this is. So take it with a grain of salt, because unless you live in Argentina, there are tweaks and little differences. But at the same time, the overall picture is they want the flexibility to work when they want. They want to basically look, it's undefined, but we know that often I do the comparison. So let's compare it to um, being a, a small business owner, a freelancer, um, an independent contractor. You know, maybe that's a journalist. Maybe that's a illustrator. Maybe that's a interpreter. Who knows? Maybe it's a musician of sorts. Um, but we all want the ability to work when and where we want. 
And that, and I think that comes with age too. Look, I mean, a lot of people, like I've said many times, people don't go to work out of college anymore, right into Ford and then retire with Ford 40 years later. That's, that's very rare that people would spend an entire career start to end with a company. In fact, it's almost unheard of. Often the companies sell out to other companies in the mergers. People get let go, this, that, the other. I mean, I think there's a big concern on the value of college these days. Uh, listen, if you're going to be a surgeon or if you're going to be a lawyer, of course you need to go to college because you need that degree to be able to practice law. And yeah, you you know, you might be able to go past the bar and be a lawyer, maybe, um, you know, would college provide you that much more? I don't know. I've never been to I've never been to law college. I do have a couple of amazingly close friends who have who have gone into legal and whatever their path might have been, I I have learned quite a bit from them and I feel like they are people who took a lot away from college. Obviously to be a surgeon or a doctor or things of that nature, you need to go to college as well. But I do question the value of college these days to just the average person looking for a job. I've said myself, you know, if you at all have an idea, and I know a lot of times they almost have, I feel like they've wanted us to go into college and said, oh, your, your first few years, you'll figure it out. No. If you have an idea of what you, if you love fixing cars, well, go get, go to a tech school and learn to fix cars in 18 months. It's a way better deal. You're not going to be in debt for 10 to 15 years to a college. And um, the hiring rate out of trade schools is way higher than out of colleges these days because that old W-2 model doesn't exist. So moving on to, to um, Argentina, though, real quick. So, you know, a lot of this is done on bike work there. Their two biggest uh, delivery apps are uh, uh, Pedio Sia and uh, Rappi. Um, they are both delivery companies that are primarily bicycles. Um, but they have these people not just checking a box and saying, yes, I want to stay independent contractor. Um, please, you know, don't take that away from me, blah, blah, blah. That's not, and check this box if you agree, and then they just add you to a list. Here, they're actually having the people who are doing the deliveries handing out pamphlets saying, listen, if you want to keep getting these deliveries, you're going to need to vote for this candidate. And so it's just different to see, but it's interesting to see at the same time, too, that it's that same super small percentage that are the ones saying, hey, make us employees. We want to be employees. No matter where in the world we go with this, for the most part, it's the same story. It's like... 5% of the people doing the work want to be employees, but they're the only 5% making noise. And if that's the case, well, then, of course, the politicians are only thinking that's, well, that's all we hear from. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised that, like, we know all this and we talk about this kind of stuff, but politicians aren't aware of this. Like, if I were to be thrown into a, po a political position right now, and I had, you know, gig worker people coming at me. Now, I know I have a lot more experience in this realm, too, to know. But with anything, if, if I was getting, if something started hitting me hard and saying, hey, listen, we want to be employees, blah, blah, blah. And I knew that it was a big space like the gig economy. I would definitely have teams or, um, you know, put, put study groups together, focus groups, things, uh, use my assistance wisely to, have them look into, okay, we're hearing a lot about this, I understand, and we're not hearing from the other side that they would like to remain independent. But can we get an idea of how many people, like in, let's say in the state of Colorado, 5,000 wrote in that they want to be employees or 1,000. I would want to have a study conducted saying, hey, let's find out how many gig workers there are in Colorado. And then you find out that there's 200,000. And then you start thinking, wait a minute, maybe it's like everything else in politics and only the people who are mad are writing in. Because you need to please your constituents, but a lot of constituents never voice their concerns. So here, there, people are getting pretty old school guerrilla tactics about, um, about wanting to stay independent. Um, they have different terms for it down there. So excuse me while I'm just trying to... Um, you know, trying to uh, uh, put this into the right terms here. But um, 
like inflation year to year in Argent in uh, Buenos Aires. We're going to use Buenos Aires as the as as the backdrop here is 138 um, percent year year over year. Uh, the the um, their value of their of their money has decreased. Um, disastrous economy. Uh, even even worse than ours, guys. I mean, they actually are having a very tough time down there. Um, and then, just to put into some perspective, so Buenos Aires is a very big city, okay? I mean, for Argentina, hands down, it is the largest city. I'm even trying to think off the top of my head if there's a city half its size in Argentina. And if you know um, geography at all, you know Argentina is a, a big country for sure. Um, but there's, I don't even think there's another town half the size of Buenos Aires. Buenos Aires is huge. And there are 20,000 gig workers in the city of Buenos Aires. So if that puts some perspective in, into it for you, I mean, that's looking at like how a lot of big cities are here too. So, um, but they're, they're definitely like the people doing the work are as interested in taking the political flyers and putting them into the bags and meeting with the with the with the politicians who don't want these regulations they go to meetings to meet with them they get these pamphlets they put it in there do we do that no do we care that much no we just click boxes sure yeah i want to stay flexible put whatever and really you're agreeing to these doordash terms where is argentina's way better I don't know, but one thing for sure, there is a relationship between the politicians and the gig workers, which is something we don't have here at all. And that was very, that was even apparent this summer when we did the town hall. Okay. So, I mean, we had a senator there. We had um, uh, a state house representative there who was back, who tried to push a bill through that would um, basically was more about transparency than pay. Um, but then we had a senator there who had no clue. What we need is some kind of hyper version of this or, you know, like a hybrid of, you know, some, it, look, if DoorDash is sending, once your state's going on the attack and you get a checkbox from DoorDash saying, can we count on you? Do you want to stay flexible? Because otherwise you can't stay flexible. And you click that box and they do it before lunch because they know that you're not going to read it. And you just say, yes, of course I agree. Just let me dash now. Okay, so now you did that, and now they have your name to put onto a list and say, hey, here's all the... But what they really should be doing is politicians should be reaching out to gig workers. We shouldn't have to form and reach out to them. There is... there Our politicians definitely do not understand the gig economy. They do not understand the gig platform worker. But let's be serious here. They definitely understand independent contractors, or at least most of them. I would think there is not many elected officials who don't understand that one-third of the American workforce is self-employed slash independent contractor. Because if you don't understand that, then you have no right being in political office. Um, so at that point, I think they just kind of think, eh, I'm not really sure where these gig workers fall. Should we make them? But really, they should be meeting with us, and it shouldn't be us having to track them down. I know that a lot of times we say, "Write your politicians," and you should, but a lot of people won't, and that's a fact. And because of that, we need to, we we really need to try and get these politicians to have meetings with us, their constituents, and invite all of us though, so that they hear from the side that doesn't want to be an employee. Because if you produced a meeting that was going to be a half hour long, um, like community town meeting or whatever, or 45 minutes long on a certain day in Denver, I'd be there. I know a lot of other people would be who want to remain independent, do not want employee status. Yet the only thing the politicians see are that we want employee status from emails. So for the time being, just remember, all you have to do is get on Google um, or you can go to driverrights.org, driver singular, um, uh, rights.org, 
And on there, you can click that you'd like to add your name to our 70 plus thousand nationwide. But you can also click that you want to email your uh, politician. But you can click, you know, who is my senator and put in your zip code on Google. And it'll tell you. And usually in that first Google result or the second one, one of the two, there's a direct link that says email them and we'll launch your email for you. So, I mean, literally, guys, it's very, it's not like it's, it's not very hard. Um, do it. Take five. I mean, look, at especially like if you're a multi-apper who sits in the car in certain hours, it's kind of slow. Just do it during some of that downtime. It doesn't have to be but two or three sentences. Just say, I'm a gig worker in this zip code. You're my representative. I want to remain independent. I do not want to be an employee. Keep it short. Keep it simple. And uh, and say my vote will go to the my vote will go to the um, to the person running who represents these values of me being allowed to be independent. Again, I keep going back to it. I honestly believe the biggest fault that we ever made was allowing was not giving the definition to the app based gig economy before we started wanting legislation for it everywhere. Now that said, we'll work our way back up through uh, South and Central America and getting back to the United States and we'll stop in Brazil this time. So underage gig workers keep outsmarting facial recognition. In Brazil, delivery apps are now asking customers to report child delivery workers. Um, so a couple of points here. The, the largest last mile delivery apps in Brazil employ facial recognition to fight child labor on their platforms. Um, like here, you need to be 18 years or older to work on, uh, on a delivery platform or any platforms. Um, minors have found ways to circumvent checks, so companies also rely on reports made by customers in restaurants. In most cases, customers and restaurant employees don't report minor workers to avoid causing them trouble or because they are not sure of their age. So again, remember, we're talking about different countries. So you're, whichever state you live in, in the United States, we're used to a certain way of how things are dealt with. You know, I mean, obviously a red and blue state might take a look at things differently or a purple state, but we really kind of have a somewhat symmetry of how the system works. In Brazil, it is much different. So, um, Eduardo uh, Montarari, who manages delivery logistics at a burger shop in north or just north of uh, um, of Sapalo, uh, has noticed a pattern. Every time an order pickup is assigned to a female driver, there's an eighty plus percent chance the worker is a minor. That's pretty crazy. So first of all, we're talking about a gender. Like why, you know, why all the females instead of males as well? And why is he so, and I, 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 he's not being sexist here, but why is he, why is he found a metric with the female drivers? But regardless, um, so what is it? Where is it here that, uh, Okay. So delivery work in Brazil is only legal for people above the age of 18 years. Apps like iFood or Rappi, if you noticed Rappi was also in Argentina, we just talked about it. Um, iFood is the largest in Brazil. Rappi is the second largest. Um, I know this is strange to us, right? Because we probably never even heard of these. Um, the two big, they are the two biggest delivery platforms in the whole country of Brazil. And if you're not familiar, Brazil has a, a huge population. It is a, it is a, it is a crazy populated place. So, um, but both of them have attempted to combat child law, uh, labor, um, with the introduction of technological safeguards, particularly facial recognition. We know from Europe that facial recognition doesn't work. The last that we knew it was 65 or 70% accurate with people of color with females. Um, at night, the accuracy went way down. Um, again, it goes back to the, what I was saying earlier about we're just trying to outpace technology and we can't do that. Um, but the problem has persisted. 
in Brazil as workers find ways to circumvent the rules. Um, facing pressure from authorities to eradicate child labor and lacking a fully uh, dependable tech solution, iFood and Rappi now also rely on facial recognition of a different sort. They ask customers and restaurants to report underage delivery workers. I got to ask, though, at this point, you know, if you're a customer, or especially if you're a restaurant, I kind of go with the original part of what we were talking about here. I have a feeling they're not going to report it because they don't want to get into any trouble and have their restaurant. It's, It's better for the, how do I put this? It's almost better for the restaurant to turn a blind eye to the problem than to try and help fix it. And there's no incentive. There's no reason than other than these just it's it's a little more subtle down there. But it's the same way that that our platforms try and get uh, media attention out of everything. So they think that they're like, well, we're we're telling customers and and merch and and restaurants to report these miners. Well, Okay, let's see the statistics on how many are doing it because my guess is it's next to none. Um, you know, I mean, unless unless you had, you know, maybe if you're a customer and if if a child uh, dropped your food off and then like stole something or something else happened, maybe you'd report that then and say, I don't think he was even 18. But that's another thing too. Do you really want to be in there and, and gauging somebody's age? You might be wrong. Um but so, um, so Brazil has a, a data, data out that uh, there is approximately 1.8 million children and adolescents working across Brazil. Now, that is saying under 18, and you can't work there till you're 18. So they have 1.8 million children and adolescents working under the table or under other people's accounts. And it's not just gig work either. Um, they have other ways that uh, this kind of stuff goes down in Brazil. I happen, the, part of my knowledge of Brazil is I've been there a handful of times to do laser shows. So, and I same with, I've been once to Argentina, to Buenos Aires, um, and to many other places, but I can say that Brazil is a lot different than the other places. Brazil, um, it just has a different way of how the people interact with their government. And I bring this up because again, you know, we were just talking about how Argentina is pushing for this. Now these platforms are trying very hard because they're getting some pressure. But to be honest, I guess my takeaway from this is I'm surprised the government is even putting pressure on this. So they must be getting something must be good happening for them because usually the government just stays out of it. Um, Not to say that they don't do anything because they have a very strict government down there when they want to, but they also have a way of turning a blind eye when they want to. Um, I have become familiar with this and uh, um, yeah. But anyway, guys, that's just kind of what's going on around. That was Australia. um, That was Argentina and that was Brazil. Uh, so last two things I want to talk about here. They're not normally topics I hit on, on the podcast, but, um, so in Houston, Texas, um, uh, a, a, a man called a Uber rideshare. Um, he got into the rideshare in the middle of the ride. They were on, they were on the interstate and um, the passenger got into an argument with his Uber driver. Uh, and he asked to be let out of the car. The Uber driver then proceeded to pull over on the interstate and let him out, uh, and, and let him out right there on the side. So police said once the Uber driver pulled over on the side of the freeway, the man walked down the embankment and crossed the street where there was no sidewalk or crosswalk. Um, That's when the man was hit by another driver and died. So this driver who had let him out, let him out and left, didn't know this happened, and then saw on all news and stuff, like 
not long after that this had happened and they had closed the interstate. So he went back to the scene. Um, he was arrested. There was no signs of impairment shown and uh, it's under investigation. But here's my thing, guys. If you're doing Uber rideshare and somebody says, hey, let me out, let me out. Please do the the smart thing. Do not pull over on an interstate or a county road without lights. Um, get to something. Get to a gas station. Get to something um, and just kind of, you know, be very aware of your situation. But, you know, be like, that's fine. And I will do the canceling. So it's not on you. Sorry, this happened. No matter what your feeling is, because this could be a life ender. We'll have to see for this guy. I mean, in terms of financial, but so pull over, let him out at a location, hopefully of a dash cam to prove it. Um, and then, uh, you know, cancel it. It's better for you, the driver, to cancel those kind of rides. I think if somebody's getting that kind of crazy that they'd get out in an interstate, um, and you got to do everything you can to keep them in the car too. Remember, I don't know if you guys remember long, not far back, that we were talking about an article where a person got out and the car was moving on the highway and was killed. So that obviously that driver got off, but <sighs> just craziness, you guys. And it's not just in the gig economy, it's everywhere. But um, the last story that I wanted to talk about here. So there's been a lot. Look, Portland, Oregon goes through a lot um, with the gig economy. And in the last couple weeks, um, just when, when was this? Uh, this, was, this was yesterday. Or this was October 23rd. So this is Monday. Um, second Lyft driver carjacked near downtown Portland, not clear if cases are connected. So a Portland driver says he froze after being carjacked at gunpoint early Friday morning. I never feared so much for my life, says the man. Um, so what happened was, uh, some teenagers came up on him, uh, came at him the wrong, um, a white SUV came at him the wrong way on a one-way street, made him stop his car. Three people got out, and one of them pointed a handgun at the Lyft driver. The Lyft driver was like, please take whatever you want. The suspects demanded Daniel's car. He got out of the car and started running down the street. Um, the Lyft driver explained he still had the key fob in his pocket, preventing the thieves from starting his car and stealing it. This is where I want to take pause because, listen, that means he turned off the car because here's the thing. You guys, I don't want you getting thrown off by this article. A fob does not mean they can't drive your car. Some fobs, some of the newer fobs, yes, they can't go too far away from it or it would die. Um, but I'm surprised he had turned off his car. Like usually it would just be running through this whole thing. And unless you have a very new car, like my, my fob is primarily used just to start it. Once it's started, you can drive away from me. It's still going to drive. Um, that is how most fobs work. So I just wanted to point that out because this article is out there a lot. Um, it's not so much about what happened because that just happens. I'm, I'm sorry to say it just happens. Um, but when he ran back to his car, he found two of his phones were taken, some of his other stuff. Uh, something was broke, but the car was still there. But Listen, that's only for make sure that you understand what your fob does. But at the same time, you know, um, that might not be the smartest idea because if your car doesn't run and you have the fob, most likely, I mean, remember a white SUV rolled up on him. Three people got out, but there were still two in the SUV. All five of them could have jumped back in. And if they had to chase you down and did, most likely something very bad is going to happen to you. So when he said, please take whatever you want, he should have meant that and even given him the fob. Um, because look, that's, we all have insurance. If we have insurance, that's fine. Just give him the fob. You were, you were held up at gunpoint. Um, that's what insurance is for. So uh, let them have it, you know, let them have it. I'm not saying that, you know, that's the right thing to do or whatever, but it's the safest thing to do these days because... They're going to do what they want. We've seen a lot of bad things happen. <sighs> that said, you guys, that's a week. Um, we will be back here on Friday Drop.
for the round table. And I know you guys have been digging that. Um, I try out different things and I see what you guys like and I see what you don't, um, at least by volume and, and downloads. But I know you guys really like the Friday drop too. So uh, that will be happening this Friday for sure. Join us. And uh, until next week, uh, be safe, earn smart, uh, look out for each other, don't drive when you're too tired, and uh, don't drive to hit your quotas. If you're tired and you didn't hit your quota for the day, that's just what it is. Um, I was in the bar industry for a long time, and those kind of days just happen sometimes. So um, be happy. And uh, we'll see you back here next week on Rodeo. Peace.